Thank you so much for that worship this morning. It was fantastic. You know, sometimes you you come to worship in the morning, you have to get warmed up with the first couple of songs. I I don't believe in that. I think you can go right into the boldly go into the presence of Jesus Christ because of his blood that we sang about this morning. It's a special day. It is. It is for me. Eric and I have have spoken and we're going to try to make it through this without too many tears. Um, but the, this is a day that's not about Eric. It's uh, clearly about the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done in our lives. And we, we come ready to praise him this morning. I do have to ask a question, though. Is there something wrong with this section right here? I, I wanted to see who would sit here. Is it reserved for special people? I didn't know, and, you know, we had an Easter service. We have a, a, a Spanish church that has come and joined forces with us. And on Easter morning, we, we met together, both, both churches, and uh, brought in extra chairs. And, all, and the entire Spanish church sat on this side. And in all of our white people, I mean, all of our church sat over here. And, and I said, okay, we having a wedding here today? Where's the bride? And wave at one another. And we, we had a great time. It was good, but I just had to clarify, make sure we were okay here on this side. But um, one of Eric's friends, um, Trey Bray, was ordained last week. And uh, I guess it was about six years ago I came and spoke to him, and I said, uh, Trey, why aren't you ordained as a minister? And uh, he said, well, I, Dave, I can't give you the whys. I just I know it's, it's not the time. I know I'm not supposed to be ordained. And about two months ago, Trey came to me and he said, uh, uh, Dave, I, I feel like the Lord is calling me to ordination. And uh, we proceeded with that ordination. Good friend of, of Eric's. And isn't it a wonderful thing? He didn't, he didn't receive my calling. He didn't come for ordination because I called him. He came because he was listening to the Lord Jesus Christ and had his ear open to what Jesus wanted for his life. Today I've been instructed to speak to you specifically, not to give Eric the charge. That's Dr. Wakefield's uh, job this morning. But specifically, my question to you is this. Are you following his call personally? Are you following the call of Jesus Christ in your life? If you look at the, the text this morning, it's found in... In the book of Matthew, that's where we're starting. There's three passages we're going to look at this morning briefly. And you have incredible study notes to look at. I'm going to try and find those here. Here, this particular passage is a response from Jesus' question that is posed to the disciples, which is this, who do people, who do men say that I am? And Peter, you know, the one who always has to respond, made the statement, he said, Thou art the Christ, and I'll probably quote Old King James, and I apologize. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. One of the most powerful statements in Scripture. I believe Martha is the other individual in Scripture who made that statement about the person of Jesus Christ. And here, Jesus makes this statement. He says this, Upon this rock, it's the rock of the testimony that Peter makes. Very clear, it's the rock of the testimony that Peter makes about who Jesus is. And here in text, Jesus goes on to explain, I tell you, you are Peter. This rock, the rock of your testimony, I will build 
my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against her, against it. Church, I I just want to remind you of something this morning. I I don't know where you're at. Some of you have probably come here a long, long time, but I just want to remind you this morning, it's not your church. It's Jesus' church. You cannot argue with him and tell him that it is your church. He won't listen to the argument. What he paid it, paid for with was much more precious than you. Maybe you've been here a long time and you feel a sense of ownership. You know, there's a healthy sense of ownership. There, there really is. There's a healthy sense of ownership in your church that you should have. The problem is when we step from service in Jesus' church over into control. Jesus says, I'm not going to wrestle with you on the control issue. It is my church. Maybe you have invested a lot of money in this church. You have tithed regularly and faithfully. Maybe you have sweat equity. And a lot of us have that. We should have that. As you serve, you build up the edifice of the church. You build up individuals. Maybe you're a Sunday school teacher. Maybe you've spent a lot of time working on this church. You have sweat equity in this church. There was a a gentleman who about three years ago would come in my office and he would sit down about every two months. He would sit down and he would share with me. Now I might be standing in the wrong place. He would share with me where I need to stand when I preach. He would share with me. Now you said the word prostitute in the service. I don't like that. I don't think you need to brothers in the Bible now. He said, yes, but uh, we don't use that language in church. I said, okay, I understand. He would share with me what I could and could not preach. You know what I came to find out is that he had not only been there a long time, he had not only had sweat equity built up into the church, he had invested a lot of his money in the church, and he felt wrongfully so, that he could step from service over into the area of control. Jesus isn't going to wrestle with you. He's not going to argue with you. His blood, did we sing about it this morning? His blood bought this church, bought you as individuals. When we look at the word church, we know that it is the called out assembly. We have been called out. The question this morning for you is very clear. Have you, are you responding to the call of Jesus Christ. First and foremost, it is his church. But look just at the beginning of the statement here, right at the beginning of Jesus describing this. He says, I will build. I, I don't know about you. When I see those words, I will build, that comforts me. That comforts me. He does the he works in the life of the person. He begins to prepare them. He begins to call them. He puts roadblocks in their way. And he's working in their heart, in his life, that individual that he's calling to himself. And he begins to build his church. Jesus is going to build his church in a lot of different ways. A lot of different ways. I don't think he wants to build his church as much with internal struggles. You know what I'm talking about? Every church has them. They have internal struggles. Maybe because you've been here a long time. I I don't know. Maybe your struggle is over uh, the carpet this morning. 
Can I get a show of hands? How many people don't like it? Yes, uh, I see that hand. Maybe it's the paint on the walls this morning. Maybe it's the music. Oh, snap, it got quiet. Maybe it's... I'm just... Look, folks, I'm looking at the broad... I know what's been happening in my church. I know what's been happening in church. Maybe it's music. Maybe it's the clothing. Eric, I just... uh, I need to confess my sin this morning to you, brother. Eric required that that I wore a suit this morning. I generally don't wear suits on Sunday morning. I generally don't. I'm a little more casual. I feel like the Lord is... It's spoken to me about that now, Easter. Easter and, and Christmas, you know, certain holidays. But I don't know that this ranks in a suit-wearing category. For me, particularly, brother, I love you with all my heart. Maybe your problem this morning is clothes. I don't know. Maybe it's money. This, those are internal, internal things that, that I don't think God really is, is concerned about. And if that's your passion in this church, you've missed the picture. You've missed the boat. You've missed what God is trying to say to you when He's saying to you, I'm calling you, church. I'm calling you. I uh, preached a message about, it was very difficult, about three years ago to our congregation. And I began by sharing with them that there was a letter written And if I were to let you know the name in which this anonymous letter was written, the name of the church, that everyone here would know the name of that church. The anonymous letter was written by an individual to a 19-year-old young man in that particular church. The letter read, I don't like the clothes you've been wearing to church. I notice that every now and then in the service, you take your shoes off in the church. And by the way, the dollar store carries bars of soap. If you go and purchase those bars of soap and use them, maybe you will smell better when you come to church. She actually wrote this letter to this young man. At the end of the message, I... um, These these are hard messages to share with your church. I said to the congregation, I said the church in which the letter was written was our church. The young man who was 19 years old came to me and said, I don't ever want to come to this church. This is what I've always thought about this church. I thought they thought this way about me. And as I shared that with the church, I sat down on this particular row. I felt led by the Lord and I took my shoes off. And for the next three weeks, I did not wear shoes as I preached in the church. Matter of fact, it, it extended on beyond that. It got cold. And, you know, you have, to, you have to look at the price you have to pay here in America. And the shoes had to come back. <laughs> what a sad testimony about the internal struggle that God does not intend He will grow his church with that internal struggle. He will do it. But I think he prefers that our fight be one that is external to the world. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. These are very common passages to church-going people. For years I stayed away from common passages. And I began to realize they're common for a reason. Because they are powerful. Here in 
Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will receive power. The area in which God wants to work most is in changing the life of people. Did we forget as a church our calling? That God wants to use us in the process, the incredible process of changing lives of people. We can't do that apart from the Holy Spirit. Praise God. And we're made aware of that. That comforts us when we deal with the difficult topic of sharing Christ with people. I have found that, and on the way up here, as I was sitting next to a lady, you know, I don't know if it started with guilt, but you know how those feelings start when thinking to yourself, I'm supposed to share Jesus. And then you get the fear that comes over you. And what I always beat the fear back with was is just reminding myself, Jesus, you save us. I am not the Savior. I just want you to know Scott is not the Savior this morning. You know, Eric is not going to become a Savior this morning. Uh, I, when, when you have ordained ministers, they are not the ones who have to do this work only. They are a part of it. They are a part of it. I, I want you to know in, in the ordination process, special, special magic doesn't come on Eric. And if you just stand next to him and touch the hem of his garment, there will be a change. <laughs> listen, listen, ladies and gentlemen, that's not what it's about. God wants to use you. And you have to realize in this whole process that as you begin to get that, that, that speaking from the Lord, that he's talking to you about sharing him with someone else, he's the one who will do the work. He's the one who has to bring up the conversation. He's the one who has to give you the words. It is our obligation to be in the word of God, to be studied, to understand God's word, to be able to lead someone to Christ. I think most powerfully it's through our own testimony. I do, but if you don't know how to lead somebody to Jesus Christ, this morning you can Google it. I just want you to know that. Yes, you can. Uh, Billy Graham and Bill Bright put together a special five-step gospel presentation. Very easy to follow and to understand. You don't need some big program. God wants to use you in the simplest of ways. Maybe it's a little word, word of testimony. But this power, once it enters into your life and into your heart, it changes who you are. You should never get over the joy of your salvation. I'll never forget where I was. Um, God was dealing and working in my heart and in my life. And I was all about sex and drugs and rock and roll. I had bought in the lie of the world, the flesh, and the devil. I take, took it on hook, line, and sinker. and It began to bring about in me a, an emptiness and a sorrow and a loneliness in my life. And that was part of God's calling. Uh, my dad was a pastor. And uh, I was age 24. And as the Lord was working in my heart, I, I began to read through the book of Acts. I don't know why I picked Acts. It was in an an old King James Bible that my parents had given me. And every night, no matter the condition I came home in, I had to read a chapter of Acts. I got to the end of, of the book of Acts, and I was managing a woman's shoe store in downtown Cincinnati. And it's just us talking, right? Has Jesus ever talked to you? I'm trying to check you out here. I got a hand. A young lady said, Jesus is talking. You know what? Yes, 
Simon raises his hand there. You know, I think there's time. It was almost audible, and it was as if the Lord was saying, how much do you have to go through? How much more do you have to wallow in? How empty does your life have to be? And right there, all I said to Jesus, I knew who he was. I knew, like Peter, that he was the Christ. I knew he was God the Son. I'd watched him in the life of my parents. And all I said to him was this, okay, okay. And what I meant by that was I give up. I give you my life. I know I'll lose my personality. I know I'll become an idiot. I have to wear my pants. You know, they'll just keep creeping up as I get older. You know, I mean, I, I, I submitted all that to him. I'm telling you, later on in the day, there was like a giant weight that had been lifted off of my shoulders. You know, the next year, I did get weird. I, I didn't watch TV for a whole year. I just, I wanted to read God's Word. I just was consumed with the person of Jesus Christ and still am today. I wanted people to know, not this father that I'd inherited, not this, this brother that I'd received, but this lover. He came into my life to love me, and I wanted others to know about this love. I said to my regional manager, I said, I, I don't know if you know this, but I, I've fallen in love recently. And he said, what's her name? And I said, it's not a she. <laughs> he, he gave me that look as well, too. I said, I've fallen in love with the person of Jesus Christ. Look at the text. Here it says, you will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you, prophecy, you will be my witnesses. You cannot help but let out what He has put in. The change that takes place in your life, you have to share it with someone else. You have to. He prophesies, this will happen in your life. This will take place. Here, going on to the next section of scripture going back to Matthew Matthew 28 verse 18 very common passage verse 18 it says Jesus came and said to them the disciples all authority that's power as well too that word means power in heaven and in earth has been given to me go look at verse 19 it says go therefore make disciples it says baptize them verse 20 teach them here it says all that I have commanded you Behold, I'm with you always. Common passage, we know it very well. Here in the text, it gives us a command. He's given us the prophecy of what will happen. Look at your life. Ask yourself the question, is it happening? Is this change, this love affair welling up within my heart? Do I have to share it? It just can't be held or contained. Here, for those of us who sometimes get a little older in our faith, there's a command. Here, it's a command. I've studied the word go in the original languages from every different angle. I've studied it. I, I see the study notes here. But I want you to know that, that what go means in the Greek is this. It means go. It means go. That's why it was used. It means go. It's imperative. It, it, you have to. You must. It's a command. You must. Here is the way and the form that he is going to build his church. Here in the text it says, as you go back to the original passage we were looking at, and the gates of hell will not prevail against her, against it. 
here, don't we always have the picture of the gates of hell fighting against us and we come to the church for sanctuary? I always think of the hunchback of Notre Dame. Sanctuary! It's an old movie. We find sanctuary, we find solace here in the church. And I think that, that that's a good thing. I think that that's something that we need. But we need it most when we are on the offensive. Here, it's not a defensive passage that, that we are holding up against the gates of hell. No, we are fighting the battle. It is that we are offensive. This is a call to arms for the, the children of God. He says, step forward. He says, it's a commandment. I want you to do this. He is going to use you in the building of His church, the changing of lives. He's calling you to do this. How do we do it? Well, we, we do it the way Jesus did it. You know, I'm not one of these who likes to discount the social gospel. You know what the social gospel is? Bringing relief to different places around the world, um, helping their infrastructure, um, bringing potable water to different places around the world. A, a great need. I'm not going to discount that. Incredible need. Bringing food to those who need it. Jesus, whenever he did a miracle, and he did the social gospel, didn't he? He healed the sick. He opened the eyes of the blind. The miracles are so powerful in Scripture. He made the lame to walk. He raised the dead to life. The social gospel. He met our physical needs. But every time... The physical needs were met in the life of an individual. He used it as a platform and an opportunity to present himself to a lost and dying world. He gave verbal revelation of who he was and he offered himself. Came not into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Offered himself to the world. With the social gospel, there also came the verbal gospel as well. I think we need both. I think there comes a time in our life, church, where we've got to understand that church is not about control. It's about serving the risen Savior. It's about building His kingdom one person at a time. There's a story, told true story, about a young man who had gone to college like me and was wayward and was immersed in the things of the world and given himself over completely to the world. And God radically changed his heart and his life. He was changed. That's the power that begins inside. He was changed. And he went to the giant church across the street from the college. You know, I, I love this town. I mean, visiting this town, I've been here three days. And, and in visiting the town, I, I don't know, it just draws you. You want to live here. You know, but I, one thing I've noticed is about every six or seven houses, you all have a church. <laughs> you know? Praise God. Opportunity is right there if the gospel is given out. This man walks across the street to the church. He walks into this full church, both aisles full, completely as he walked in. I know you've got two services. He walks in. He cannot find a seat, walks all the way to the front, raggedy clothes, sits down right on the floor in front of the church. Everyone has kind of watched him. There's a deacon in the back, Deacon Jones. It's not the football player. He's an elderly gentleman, has a cane. He had wooden floors. All eyes were on Deacon Jones as he stepped out of the pew and began to walk down the aisle. And you could hear the cane hitting against the wooden floor. Everyone was thinking, what is he going to do when he gets to this young man? 
He gets over to where the young man is seated on the floor. The kids will know, crisscross applesauce, you know. And this old man sits down on the floor next to him, leans over to the young man, says, how you doing this morning? Put his cane to the side of him and sat there. Pastor got up to preach the message that morning and said, what you've seen here this morning, you'll never forget. You'll forget my message. You'll forget the songs that we sing and the worship that we've had. But what you've seen this morning, you'll never forget. This old gentleman was thinking to himself, maybe this young man doesn't know Jesus as his Savior. Maybe this young man needs love. He had his priorities set right about the kingdom of God. You know, I've gotten to pick up some things about this church. And um, one of the things that happens if you come and visit this church, that within a couple of days, if you fill out some paperwork, um, they will start to creep on you on your Facebook page. And they will they will they will ask you to be their friend on Facebook. And then you'll go into the Facebook page and you'll check and you'll see, oh, they're talking about me, this couple who's come to visit. That's that's the I'm telling you, in all ways make Christ known. That's this church, this leadership seeking the lost in the way, the relative way in which this society needs to be sought after. Becoming all things to all people that we might what? Win some. This is the call of the church. And the question this morning is clear. Are you responding to the call? Have you heard his voice? Are you listening to him? Have you set the things right in your life that need to be? Are you bent on service? And set aside your own desires. We all have them. Our own desires for control his church is your heart set right are you hearing his call today let's all stand together this morning as we go into a time of invitation one of the things that i'm fully aware of is this that as you're listening to the sound of my voice maybe just maybe the holy spirit is speaking to you in a totally different way than i've shared this morning maybe he's dealing in your life in an area of sin Maybe there's something that you know that you need to get right between a brother and sister in Christ. Maybe there's someone in your life that you need to commit to him. Somebody that the Lord is saying, I need you to be my vessel, my instrument in their life. This morning, maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Savior. I want you to know that today can be the day of salvation. When you turn from living for your sin and yourself, and you turn and live for the Savior. Today, you want to make this pastor happy? Pastor Wakefield this morning, if you come up to him and say, today, pastor, I turn from my sin and I turn to Jesus Christ. He will do a dance. I've seen, he's got good rhythm. I've seen. Whatever and however the Lord is dealing with you in your life, I'm going to ask pastor to come and receive you during this time of invitation. And let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's bow our heads and